1: Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. My name is Becky Olson. I'm the co founder of Breast Friends, and I'm also a motivational speaker and the published author of The Hat That Saved My Life. Um, before I introduce our guest today, I wanted to share a little situation with all of you. For the past year, if for those of you who have been listening to our show for a long time, I've been introducing myself as a four time breast cancer survivor. And as of October 7th, 2018, yes, that's this month, I've now joined the ranks of metastatic survivors. I got a new scan that shows the growth of cancer in new areas and I will start treatment again pretty soon. We're still in the planning stages and I know there's some trials that I can take a look at, but the very first thing we're gonna be doing is a biopsy. So welcome to my new world. (laughs) And you know, it's always fun when you get to go through that. But, with all that said, I, I do want to share a heartfelt message with all of you, and it, it's something that's been really on my mind. You know, people tell me all the time that I'm strong, and if anyone can beat this, I can. And you know, I, I hope they're right. I hope I can beat this, and i'm that's my goal, certainly, and I have a great team of doctors. And I know when they say that to me that their intention is to support me and to encourage me. But I have to say, I don't always feel strong. And I know sometimes we look at those people around us and that's how we see them. But, but everyone, you know, we all need to cry sometimes. And I do cry. Um, and for me, I actually need permission, as we all do, to, to be able to let go and let the tears land where they do. We call that having a personal pity party. <laughs> and I've had a few of those since October 7th. But there are rules around a pity party, and the one and only rule, really, is um, you can go to the party. You're certainly welcome to go there, but you just don't get to stay there very long. You know, when you do, depression sets in and all kinds of things go bad. So it's not always easy, though, to know how to get back out of that pit. And our guest today is a champion of helping people pull out of those dark places. She's pulled me out a number of times, that's for sure. She also happens to be my co host, Sharon Hannafin. Sharon, as most of our regular listeners know, is a 25 year breast cancer survivor. She's a certified life coach, and she's the author of Thriving Beyond Cancer. Today, I get the pleasure of interviewing her, which is why you haven't heard from her yet, because I haven't done that, (laughs) and talking about the impact of our diagnosis on our self esteem. Sharon, welcome to the other side of the interview
2: table. Well, and I have to admit, it was hard to sit here and not even interject while you I were I know. You here. can't even laugh because you're supposed to like not be there, right? I know, I know, <laughs> I know. So I, I, I'm definitely a different feeling. So yeah. but before before I share my story, I have to say something about your situation too. Because that pity party is important. We all need to, you know, grieve what we're going through, no matter what it is, whether it's an initial diagnosis or the fifth time around, um, and also the fact that you are—you are strong, but you're not strong all the time, right? That's true. Superman has his kryptonite, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly, and so that's when we do lean on our friends and our yeah. relatives, the people who then give us the strength to keep going, the reason to keep going, right? And best friends, of course, you know, because yeah, that's what of we do. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. um, the other thing I'd like to add, just really quickly before we go into, you know, the subject of our topic today, um, is that pity look. Oh. when. We tell people some bad news, Uh right? Uh The last thing they need is our pity look. Yeah. Okay. We may feel horrible that they're having to go through this Mm -hmm. again or initially, whatever the circumstances are. But again, figure out how you can then control that because it's not helpful. Yeah. (laughs) And you don't know, you as we get it, yeah.
1: Let's talk about the pity look for a minute, because yeah. um, I, you know, when I tell people, everybody, every person I have shared my story with, you know, of my recent diagnosis, they all cry, and I, and I don't, I don't find the pity look. I don't, I don't see that as the pity look because they get teary eyed, they give me a hug, that that's compassion. Yes. But there's a difference. There is. It, it's the pit. Like, remember the chair in the first time I walked through that restaurant my very first time around, and that one lady looked at her friend and said, oh, that poor thing, I'll bet she's got cancer. Yeah. That, to me, was that pity thing. Right. It was, you know, it's she was feeling. Help. No, <laughs> it's not. It's,
2: it, it just isn't. So. Yeah. And it's uh,
1: different than compassion. So that's. Yes. that. Thank you. That was a really, really good thing to bring up. So. But before we get too far into all this, we, you know, we have never actually. Like shared our stories, like we always ask our guests to do, and this is your moment to to do that. I would My love. Moment,
2: huh? okay. This is your
1: moment. This show's about you, honey.
2: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Which is kind of comical so, in itself, yeah. but that's okay. So, so um, I would
1: love to hear your story, like how long ago, family, work, etc., all that stuff.
2: Okay, all right. Well, let me just kind of give you a rundown so you know me a little bit better. Um, so I was diagnosed. I had just turned forty years old. And that was 25 years ago because I just had my 61st, birth- 65th birthday, excuse me. And you
1: still don't look it. So oh, anyway. well, good. Thank Waiting you. for that moment.
2: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that will be ugly, I'm sure. <laughs> but <laughs> when I was diagnosed, I found my own lump. I had a weird little pain and I went, ow, you know, and I just kind of start poking around and I'm like, oh, that doesn't feel like it should be in there." It was like a little hard pee and I ended up um, uh, going to the doctor after poking it for a few days and uh, and I remember laying on the exam table and looking up into my doctor's eyes and as he's doing the exam and he's saying to me, "Oh, it's probably nothing but let's get it out of there just to make sure." And I'm looking into his eyes, and I'm like, oh, I'm in deep trouble, because that's not what his eyes were telling me. And I'd known this man for a long time. So um, I uh, definitely knew that it was not a good thing. So that was a Tuesday. The following Tuesday, I had a lumpectomy. The following Tuesday after that, I had a mastectomy with uh, reconstruction immediately. And I ended up having... A, uh, not not having clean margins in the lumpectomy, obviously. That's why I went back in. And, uh, yeah, it was like a whirlwind. It was so crazy. And, actually, the only people I knew at that point who had had breast cancer who had died. So, I didn't feel very mm, positive about this yeah, whole situation. Now, it was a stage 2 cancer. Luckily, there were no lymph nodes. And for my own sanity... I kind of drew this line in the sand that, okay, so there's no lymph node so I'm not really going to deal with the death and dying part of this disease. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to put my big girl panties on and I am going to get through this treatment, which I did six months of chemotherapy. And <clears throat> I ended up having, I don't know, six surgeries when it was all said and done. I was off work for 11 months. Um, Which was a blessing and a curse. Um, It was wonderful that I could actually take care of myself and not, you know, have to go to work. But come to find out, my support system was a lot at my office. Um, And so being out of sight, out of mind sort of thing, and uh, it was awful. But anyway... I remember then fast here, let forward. Here, me, let, me,
1: let me interject something right here, so sure. don't lose your train of thought, though, because there was a really important thing that you just talked about in there with your support system being at work. The problem with your work support system was, and I'm part of that, is that you were the first one in our circle to go through this, and we were all about the same age. You know, we're all 40. And none of us had a clue what to do for you. So even though you're... I kind of think of it more of your social life was sort of at work because that's where your friends were. Yeah, exactly. But I don't think we were all that supportive because we, d- you know, I remember saying to you, you know, Sharon, if there's anything I can do, let me know. And you said I will, and but you didn't. But
2: of course, because <laughs> women don't. We, you yeah, know, we're terrible about asking for help. I know I've said exactly. that many, many times on yeah. this show.
1: So you yeah. know, people say, it's "Well, you, Becky, you've had it so many times," but Sharon had it first, and that's a tough place to be. So, you know, when I went through it, it I was so thankful you knew what to do for me. So anyway, with that, I just want to. And
2: with that, that. we we started Breast Friends. So that was kind of the catalyst for us to do that was because I did feel like I went through it um, pretty much alone. And again, you were that friend who didn't feel like they were as supportive as they could have been because you didn't know any different. Right. Right. Certainly and not mean, in my of, heart, I wanted to help, but exactly. I just, exactly. you know,
1: you kind of need to go down that path yourself, I think, to really, really to grasp the concept. And yeah. there are some people with natural tendencies. I think you're one of those people. You just kind of naturally are compassionate. And I think we all try to be, but, but there are moments like that when, you know, you just get stuck. Oh, you don't know teachable. what to
2: do. Teachable
1: yeah. moments, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'm glad you taught me that. Okay.
2: Exactly. So. All right. So, so sorry so to interrupt. I think, I think one of the things that I found when I went back to work after being off for 11 months, I was so out of my element. I mean, mine too. I'd worked in this company for, I don't know, let's see, 20 years plus years by that time so it's not like I was new to the you know to the business or anything but I was so out of my element because I felt like a fraud I thought I can't remember anything I I don't know if I can even do this anymore the the cancer had affected my self-image and my self-esteem in such a, a powerful way um that that I didn't really think I could do the job any longer. So I just kind of like kept my head down and (laughs) just did what I needed to dive in. Yeah. And hope no one noticed, really. I mean, (laughs) it was one of those things where you're like, can I even do this?
1: Yeah, Yeah. no, I I hear you. So, you know, you were you had young kids at home at the time, right? So why don't you talk about your family life for just a moment? Yeah, and- I
2: had um, three kids that were um, at home, and uh, uh, my youngest being nine. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it, it, it was it was not easy. And again, you got to remember one of the people that um, had had breast cancer was dying at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, my kids' grandma was dying at that point, and their great grandma had died. A year or so before that. So it was a it was a scary, scary time for all of us um, because, you know, we didn't really talk about the death and dying, but it was kind of that underlying thing, you know, what's going to happen sort of thing long term yeah. because um, the kids' grandma's uh, cancer had come back with a vengeance and then it did eventually take her life. So, yeah, it was pretty, pretty tough. Um, but we got through it, thank goodness.
1: You know, and I remember, Sharon, when you were going through all of that, and and this is a good lesson for our listeners, too. When you know someone who's going through cancer and you know they have family in their home, it's so easy to think, well, like when I asked you to call me if you needed something and you didn't, my mind immediately went to that place that says, well, she hasn't called me, so she must be doing okay. She has a husband. She's got kids. They're probably taking really good care of her. But the truth is about all of that is the husband's gone at work during the day, the kids are at school, and you were home way too much by yourself.
2: Oh, yeah. What, you have so was, much time on your hands to yeah. go down that really bad, dark place, you know. a <laughs> <And>, rabbit hole. <laughs> exactly. And you and I have talked a lot about that, you know, where you just have way too much time on your hands, where you can, can go to this dark place that um, unless... People kind of understand that they, they, yeah, they don't, they don't understand what you're going through at all. You know, Sharon.
1: The day after my cancer diagnosis, Bill went off to a Promise Keepers con- uh, convention up in Seattle, and while he was gone and the kids were staying with friends, I, <laughs> I had that dark time all to myself for a whole weekend. And by the time he got home on Sunday night, I'd already figured out that he would, he would. You know, so if I died, he would get married right away. She'd be size two. She'd be 22. Her, I decided <laughs> her name would be Brittany. Sorry to all the Britneys out there, but for whatever reason. And so yeah. when he came home, he was in a lot of trouble because he had no idea what hit him.
2: <laughs> I <glad> <laughs> he had been, his life all planned
1: yeah, out. Yeah, that, I mean, right? I, I just figured that's what would happen. But yeah. we're still married. He didn't do that. But But to your point, that dark time when you're alone, you know, that's when people need to really reach out to you just to give you a quick call or send a note or do something to let you know that you haven't been forgotten. And that's, that's scary. So what was the most difficult thing for you about your diagnosis?
2: Um, I think that what we were just talking about that time when everybody's gone you know, um, and you just have too much alone time. That yeah. was the hardest for me. I mean, obviously the, the drugs were no fun. You know, I had in, infusions every other week and I had a pill that I took every day. So you didn't feel well either. You know, that, right. that was obvious and getting over the surgeries and all of that. But <clears throat> um, so so there were moments in all of those different Times and like I said, the going back to work I think was much much harder than I had anticipated. <laughs> um, that one kind of surprised me a little bit, um, where I really didn't feel like I was qualified to even do the job any longer. So yeah. that that was a real shocker. Yeah, because um, chemo brain is a real thing, and
1: we are going to talk a little bit about that in the next segment. But um, yeah. but yeah, I remember that time so well, and I remember when you did finally come back to work. We were all so excited to have you back. And, you know, I'm sure your boss was happy to have you back. And then, and then it's like, so Sharon, you're back. What's on your agenda for today? How many calls are you going to make? Blah, blah. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there's that reality too. Everybody thinks when the treatment's over, you're done.
2: And, and, it and you're is. long from being done and that's yeah. the that's really the topic of my book and my retreat and the things that that, that we do at breast friends um that afterpiece you know when you're actually you know not a patient an active patient any longer even if you're taking the pill uh to kind of help with the the hormonal business but you know the thing is how like whether you've lost your hair for instance the hair our hair is our crowning glory a lot of times you know and and when you lose your hair or it thins out to the place where you know you should have probably I should have probably shaved mine i just kind of let it fall out as it would but it was uh, pretty ugly <laughs> pretty
1: bad <laughs> Well, and, now that we have this bald is beautiful program, we see uh, how gorgeous these ladies look completely bald. And, yeah, I agree that that's probably a good oh. thing to do for people. But we, we hang on to that crown as long as we can. Oh, right? my gosh.
2: Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, and then, of course, the scars. The thing is, luckily, in most cases, the hair does grow back. Thank the good Lord. But um, <clears throat> it's usually way different than what you had before. Yeah. Uh, might be curly, might be straighter than it was. I mean, it's all. It's going to be different. It's a different texture. Sometimes it's a different color. All sorts of crazy things. Um, and uh, but generally speaking, your hair comes back, and I was very happy about that. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet <laughs> Even you though were. it came in gray. <laughs> but I was still happy about it. Yep. Um, but but the scars on your body remain.
3: Yeah, and they are you. a
2: constant, constant reminder. Every time you see your body in the mirror, every time you change your clothes, every time you are intimate with your husband—I mean, all the all those things. You know, Sharon. Um, let, let's go out. they are going to
1: go on out to break because I, I want to kind of leave it right there for just a minute. So, because we're going to pick that up on the other side, and there's there's so much to that conversation. So. Um, Let's go ahead and, and go on out to break, and we will be back in just a minute.
2: Perfect.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. For Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio, visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
3: When was the last time you felt
1: Welcome back to our program. We've been talking about the impact of a cancer diagnosis on our on our personal self esteem. Of course, self esteem is always personal, right? With yep. <laughs> our guest and my co-host Sharon Hennefin. And Sharon, before we continue in that conversation, I just wanted to kind of recap for just a moment. You know, when we um we know that cancer in general, you know, can really lead to depression, and it's for the reasons that you discussed in the first segment. You know, the loneliness, the isolation, you know, some of those things that any cancer diagnosis can have that impact but there's something particular about breast cancer and it really it seems to impact self-esteem not just kind of our emotional state of depression but it affects our self-esteem more than most and i and i think part of that you know, the hair loss is, is something that all people that go through cancer, if they have chemo, probably will experience. But that's added on top of this other stuff you were starting to go down that path before we took the break. So let's pick that up about the
2: scarring again, because, you know... Well, the, the sc- to, to your point, yeah. Becky, uh, when when you are diagnosed with a breast cancer diagnosis... It it affects your femininity, your sexuality, and your sensuality. Mm-hmm. So it it does a triple whammy on us um, because you know many times a woman that's part of her attractiveness, right? That's that's part of you know what what makes her her is her breasts, and um, and it's a very visual piece obviously some of us um i've never had cleavage so <laughs> it was never mine <laughs> but a lot of women you know that's a huge piece of of you know when they wear a a a a shirt and you can see a little bit of the cleavage and that sort of thing, That that is like a huge piece of her identity. And so, to lose that, and, and for those people who have had a mastectomy with reconstruction, um, God love you, but they are, as we know, they're like little hockey pucks. They are not normal, real breasts. They don't feel like the same thing. That's true. And... and, and-
1: even they don't with look things the like same. they don't. And even with like deep flap you know procedure procedure where they actually create the breast from your own um fatty tissue and skin, they bounce and they feel real to the touch, but you can't feel them, you know, right. you as as the woman. So, yeah,, it, it's way, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there there's like nothing. there's no feeling there whatsoever. So, so, yeah, you take the hair loss, which, You know, it's part of our attractiveness and then you add the lack of breasts or the, you know, the changes in the breast, maybe due to a lumpectomy or something or, and then add radiation. You're right. It's that you put it all together and it's, it's all part of our attractiveness and our sensuality. And so, yeah. And talk about
2: libido. well, and those scars, of course, are, you know, with us forever. Yes, they lighten up as they get, you know, a little bit of um, time uh, to really heal all of that. But again, they're still always there. Um, <clears throat> the loss of libido, the whole menopause thing, that that's a huge one, especially for those ladies who have had an estrogen positive type of tumor, because that is then the source of of what's feeding the cancer. So the doctors throw all this stuff at you, many times chemotherapy, or maybe it's the the anti-estrogen drug after the fact. But many times it definitely affects how everything works. And in some cases, it doesn't work at all. (laughs) Or very poorly. So you've got the self-esteem thing. You're full of this, like you know, uh, the thing that maybe was your, your sensuality, maybe it was um, an erotic zone for you. And then all of a sudden that's gone. And then you have really a whole change in your desire Mm -hmm. for even having sexual relationships. um, And, uh, and and you don't feel sensual. Uh, It it just is so complicated. It's just it affects every aspect of a woman's life.
4: And it I does. think that's
2: what, yeah. what people in general don't understand. And even, even when you're going through it, you don't understand it. It's like, what's wrong with me?
1: <laughs> you know, and I'm glad we're doing this show because, you know, I, I love my doctor dearly but we never really had that conversation about how this was going to change so much of that and you know i'm very thankful that i have a very patient husband as as you do um but not every woman has that that opportunity to have that kind of person in their life who will be supportive of this i mean having sex hurts i mean flat out let's just say it it hurts and and it's hard to kind of work around that sometimes. But but yeah, so th- so then you start to feel old. Let's talk about let's talk about oh, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and, and again, if you just Google menopausal symptoms, I mean, without having cancer and all the anti-estrogen stuff that goes along with it, just general menopause, um, if you're to go through it naturally, is a slow process, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. But when you have surgery or chemotherapy or these anti-estrogen drugs, any of those situations or all of them in my case, in your case, yeah. um, boom, you're there and you're like in full-blown menopause. You've got the hot flashes. You're just like miserable and sex is about the last thing <laughs> you want to <laughs> think about. And, and ladies, hot fla- the term hot
1: flashes is not a sexy thing. You know, it's like (laughs) walking into a a 500 degree oven, you know, it's not a, it's not a sexy term. (laughs) So it isn't um, at all.
2: And and it's not even just that it's, it's, you feel old. It's like. Overnight, you feel like you've aged ten years. Yeah. Um, Your ball, you know, like some of the anti estrogen drugs and the chemo's and and all of those things um, can cause some major aches and pains, and you know, you feel like an eighty year old woman getting out of bed in the morning. It's it's just like, oh, that's sexy, isn't it? No. <laughs>
1: The only thing that's really comfortable is a good old pair of pajamas, you know, oh. Hey, you know, to, to that point though, cause I know we have a lot of people that listen to this and we don't want you to think that it is all gloom and doom because you know, it's when you first go into the state of menopause, yes, there's a lot of hot flashes, but you know, it does level out after, after a time. And Thank you know, goodness. there are, there are some herbs and things that you could talk to a naturopath about to help kind of calm some of that. But but it, it it is a it's a natural process for a cancer patient to go through, but it does it does resolve itself at least to some degree over time. So I, I just wanted to add that because I know that it's like oh my God what am, what's going to happen? I don't want it to I don't want to scare anybody way too much here, you know. Well, but and, and but there's a reality of it.
2: If there is a reality, and and like I mentioned, you know, some of these things kind of come out of left field. I remember. Never even having that conversation. Right. So, so when I went on to chemo, the very first chemo, boom! I never had a period again. Okay, wow, that fast. That it took fast. me a couple. Yeah. And then crazy. and then of course, you know, you're in full-blown menopause. And again, back then and even now, unfortunately, some of our docs aren't having those conversations with us. Yeah. And so it is an important thing to understand. I mean, it is something you're going to eventually have to go through anyway, whether you're going through a cancer diagnosis or not. Menopause is a real thing for for women. But at the same time, um to not even know it's coming and then, boom, you're there. And then yeah. you really think there's something wrong with you. And again, that goes back to your self-esteem. It's like, what did I do wrong? You didn't mm-hmm. do anything wrong. It's just part of what you know, you're know you going to have to go through. And to that point, Becky, because I don't want all this stuff to sound gloomy and doomy either. And I think what's important to understand is we have to choose what we focus on. We can be really miserable if all we talk about or all we think about is what we've lost. That's true. Okay. That's very true. The the loss of the ability to have children, which was funny because here I was 40. I'd had a, a daughter nine years before. I had no intention of having another child, but... The fact it was taken away from me without really feeling like it was my consent or my idea—that I had to grieve, that yeah. I had to work through—even yeah, though okay I, when it's our when it's
1: our idea, you yeah, know? but exactly. when somebody, you know, to that point though, and it's something that maybe a, a lot of our young listeners may not be aware of, uh, and and if you if you're in this situation, so for those that are diagnosed younger than we were, who haven't had their families yet. You know, they, they can have their eggs frozen and do, um, you know, have them fertilized later and then implanted. And generally a cancer diagnosis doesn't affect that. But just, you know, talk to your doctor about having your eggs frozen. We know many women who had cancer, had their eggs frozen before they started chemo, had, went through treatment and then became moms later. You know? or
2: even even if you didn't do that maybe you're in the middle of treatment and ugh I didn't do that or I was rushed into treatment and so I didn't have time that that basically happened to my daughter Chelsea so so but luckily in her case her period has come back that's good. And 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 they did the shot, uh, luperin, I think it is called. Anyway, they did the shot to close down her ovaries to hopefully protect them, and it did. Ah. It 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 worked. And so when uh, she was a few months from her chemotherapy, her ovaries came back to life. So again, depending on how young you are, how close to your natural menopause, I must have been close enough where you know. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> um well, and I never had another it. period. So yeah. I was done. But um but at the same time, yeah, everybody's different. I mean, I have a friend now who's who's in her late fifties and she still hasn't gone through menopause. So I mean, you know, it's it's different for everybody. And you said um, something else earlier that I don't,
1: I don't want to get away from before we change the subject. And you talked about when you get out of bed and your joints hurt and you feel like you're 80 years old. Um, they're at, and that's true. And I'd feel that way when I get out of my car. I've been driving for a couple hours. I get out of my car and it's like, uh, ah, everything hurts. But, but that also goes away. And the trick for that is walk. Just you know, walk walk through that, and you right. might hurt for the first you know hundred steps, and then it'll get better, and then you, things will loosen up. It's not like like your joints have just given out; they're just kind of tight, you know. They're stiff. So, yeah, yeah, they're stiff. So just work, yeah. walk through it, get through that pain, and it does. Don't just lay on your couch then, because that will make it worse. But get up, move about. And I, I have that problem now, and it's been how many years? Because I've been on these estrogen receptors drugs Whoa, for, for so forever, many years, you know. Yeah. So yeah, it's a constant battle for me. But that's been the solution is go out and walk. Bill and I got these Fitbit, well, not Fitbit, is the other fake one, but um, we go out and we try to walk 10,000 steps a day. And you know, and it's not always easy for the first part of it, but it gets better. So, so yeah, so there's, there's some hope in that. You know, we need to move on because we only have about five minutes left in this second segment. Okay,
2: no problem. So let's,
1: let's talk about, um, you know, we've talked about some of the physical changes you go through, but the emotional piece, the, the things that, that lead to depression and what, let's talk about some of that, you know, yeah, things like chemo brain, because we said we'd talk about that. Let's talk about chemo brain.
2: Yeah, and chemo brain is a real thing. Um, Again, I think the doctors are starting to talk about that now, but literally the cognitive ability um, after you have finished chemo, you might even notice it during chemo, um, where it's hard to put two sentences together. You know, it seems like it just doesn't quite work or you can't come up with the right word. I still have that problem. I do <laughs> now too. Now I think it's Now I think it's just, you know, getting older. But <laughs> Oh no,
1: honey. No, we never we get to claim chemo brain okay. the rest of our lives,
2: Perfect. okay?
1: <laughs> It's one of the benefits of going work. through cancer. You get that's your excuse going forward. So <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> but it does but, make it, you feel stupid, you know? And yeah. like you said, when you came back to work, you started to question your ability to even do the job anymore, the job you'd been doing for so many years. Yeah. That had to sure. feel really bad. And that's oh, got to be a blow to awful. your self-esteem. It
2: was awful. I mean, I couldn't remember passwords. Of course, now I'm having that <laughs> problem again. But, you know, of course, now you have to come up with a million passwords, but anyway, it was just it was just one of those things where I just really struggled with all of that, and remembering things, and being a, I don't know, it was just, it was so overwhelming for me, and like I said, the way I dealt with it, which is I kind of didn't deal with it, I just kind of put my head down, I just tried to do my job the best I could, came up with different little, <clears throat> excuse me, different little, um, uh helps for me uh you know i wrote a lot more notes for myself i was more um uh careful about um you know reading things more carefully because they didn't sink in as well the first time you know things like that i just had to come up with with some little hacks that helped me um yeah. make my job work because we yeah. it, it do what we time. have to do yeah and
1: and you caught, you did eventually get back into the whole you know process and and you, you still performed well so it is it's kind of a it's temporarily awful in the beginning and then eventually like just like all the side effects it does sometimes they do get a little bit better you know over time right, so right. what what about the the depression you know like when people start to think about why me well
2: oh. why does
1: what is that? Well, and, and
2: the funny thing is about that is, especially, you know, if you've never, I'm adopted. So I didn't know if I had any cancer in my history or whatever. I mean, I've i, I had uh, my mother in law, like I said, go through it uh, right before me and, and passed away. Um, but, you know, <sighs> you do kind of have your moments. And part of those pity parties is like, why me? Why now? Of course, there's never a good time to be diagnosed with cancer. But, you know, there are definitely worse times. And I find a, I find a lot of people end up having um, having that happen to them. You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's like one thing happens, another thing happens, and then boom, you get cancer. So yeah. I think the stress of those things probably do... Um, make the the cancer diagnosis even more difficult but uh definitely that why me comes comes into play but I try to say well why not me
1: yeah that's true.
2: and sometimes sometimes I have to remind myself okay obviously I would not have have changed my path the way I did um to be able to to be able to do what we've done with breast friends you know it's yeah. opened up a whole new way of of living and and being able to help other people and so thank goodness for breast cancer for me you know and you too i know and you know we're supposed to go out to break right now but i think
1: we're going to take one more minute before we do and because i want to finish this kind of part of this conversation you know when we talk about um you know the the, the why not me part of this and but before we do that, why now? I have to say that that almost made me chuckle because you know in the last <laughs> in July I got this little this little monitor on my wrist, as I mentioned, and it, since then I walked ten thousand steps almost every day. I've lost ten pounds. I feel great, and then I go in for this this scan, and there it is, worse than it's ever been. It's uh. like oh. Huh. So so why yeah. now? <laughs> you know, yeah. Finally get this other part figured out and I gotta deal with that. But that's okay. And like my doctor said, doing those things will keep me stronger and, and help me fight this better. So even if you get diagnosed, exercise and you know, doing those things that are good for your body will help you kind of get through this. So I wanted to, to say that. And then the why, you know, why not me? You know, the spirituality part of all of this, and Sharon and I, you know, you and I are both believers, and to think about, well, what why why did we why did we go through this? Is there a yeah. deeper meaning? And that is how yeah. we how we came to starting Breast Friends together. It's like we kind of figured out that. That we both survived this, we stayed friends. We did all this. Is there something more we're supposed to do? And we had that meeting over lunch. Remember that day oh,
2: gosh, so yeah. well. Can't, yeah, can never re- forget that. And yeah. I remember the last couple of times that you were diagnosed too. Um, you said, "Hmm, I wonder what lesson I need to learn this time." Yeah. And there's right? been a lesson every time.
0: I'm trying yep. to figure
2: out the lesson this time. It'll I come. know, <laughs> I know, I know. It's a tough one. But um, yeah.
1: But let, let's go on out to break so we can um, get to the next set after the commercials. So stay tuned. We'll, we'll be back in a minute.
4: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com/forward/slash/voiceamerica.
0: Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to keep our doors open and to keep this radio program alive. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can visit us at breastfriends.org. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel for Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Visit breastfriends.org and contribute today.
3: When was the last time you felt free? It's time to uncover that feeling again with the compassion of a cross and shield and the power of a card that opens doors to the best hospitals and medical centers in all 50 states. Giving you the freedom to love, to dream, to dance like no one is watching. Regents Blue Cross Blue Shield. Live fearless.
1: Welcome back to our show. We've been talking about the impact of breast cancer on our self-esteem with our guest and my co-host, Sharon Hennefin. So at, just before the break, um, we, we re- we're we talking about you know why we go through this and finding the blessings. And we're going to get to that in a big way here in this next segment. But just real quick before we do that, Sharon, let's touch on the fears because when we get a call from a new patient... It's usually because they're afraid. So let's talk about the fear piece. what what What's normal to fear so that people don't think that they're like wacko or something because it's pretty normal,
2: oh, yeah. and And I think when you're in active treatment, whatever that is for you, whether it's just a lumpectomy and, and uh, radiation or a mastectomy and reconstruction or all of the above, or, you know, uh, it, it doesn't really matter. But you're in active treatment, okay? You're going through chemo, maybe you're going through radiation. Um, and once your doctor has said, yay, you're done, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the scariest part about cancer is at the very, very beginning when you don't know what's going on, right? You don't have a plan yet. Yeah. But then you have a plan, you work the plan, you get through it, and then you get released by your doctor. And I think that's the next scariest time. Is like, oh dear, what do I do now? Yeah. And you it's feel like the like, safety net got pulled out from oh, under you because someone's been watching you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and so it's like well, how do I know I'm cancer-free? How do I know it's not going to come back? You don't, really. Yeah, in a lot true. of cases, you really absolutely don't know those definitive answers. And so we all go through that fear of rec- recurrence. Um, I, <laughs> I was 15 years out. Mind you, I'm 25 out now. I remember being 15 years out, and I started having pain in my hip, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I hope that bad? cancer didn't come back in my boat. Yeah. Yeah. 15 years later, boom! it comes right back at you. And luckily, I had my hip checked. I went to a chiropractor. All better. It's I'm fine. But, boy, that was the first thing that yeah. came to mind. And you get so, a headache. You got a brain tumor. You know, Oh, and
1: exactly. It's, it's natural. It's natural it is. to feel it's that. It's
2: very, very... Um, normal for us to kind of go through these little freak outs. But again, we have the choice. We have the ability to be able to process through that information and then either figure out if it's true or not, right? That's and that's what we need to make sure we do as as survivors, as patients. We want to make sure that we're paying attention to our bodies. Mm-hmm. And so if something unusual comes up and you it hangs on for a couple of weeks, two, three weeks maybe, then it's time to call your doctor. Exactly. Don't be, you know, you don't have to feel like a hypochondriac. You just deal with it. Make your appointment. If it does not go away, then we want to get it checked out. And they want you to pay attention to your to your body and what what you're feeling. <clears throat> and so yeah, cause you you know your body best. Sharon absolutely. one time I,
1: I had I was having some throat issues, and I went to a ear nose and throat doctor. And when he looked at me, I'd never seen him before. but when he asked me about my history, I told him that I'd had mm-hmm. cancer. And then he looked at me, kind of almost almost rolled his eyes and said, "Oh, you cancer people." And I like uh, excuse me excuse me uh, well it turned it turned out I did have an issue but I walked out on his I walked out of that appointment. I said I am sorry I don't need I don't need to be talked to like that and I walked out. And I was shaking as I did it but but there was an issue. So I know sometimes we think that because we, everybody freaks out and goes through this but you still know your body best. So you might have that little freak out moment but like you said Sharon if it hangs on go see your doctor cuz yes. there could be something wrong That's and the and in this case there was. Way.
2: Yeah, exactly. way to handle that situation and yep. then put your fears to rest. Yep. If it's nothing, fabulous. If it is something, then hopefully you found it much sooner than it would have been found had you waited t- till your next annual appointment or six That's month right. appointment or whatever. So yes, definitely pay attention to those things. Yep. Um, I think we all have the fear of dying or the fear of being a burden of someone else. If we do, you know, have... Um, Uh, a more advanced case of cancer and we have to go through that process, that transition process. But, you know, the reality is we're all dying. (laughs) We're all going to die eventually. You know, we just don't know exactly when or of what. Um, But the reality is we're all going to die of something, not to make that light or easy, um but the reality is we are all going to die but not today and i'm just right. stealing that from you becky because <laughs> that is a, a something you have said for so long and i love it because it's like yeah uh this cancer may eventually get me but mm-hmm. not today not right so nice. Yep. As today. long as you
1: can function and move. My daughter shared a, a quote with me from a book that she's reading. And I, I'm i sorry, I don't have the name of the author. But he, he said in in this book that any day you wake up breathing, you have more right with you than wrong with you. Oh, love and it. I, yeah. I know. Isn't that great? So, yeah. it, you know, we think the world is crashing in around us. But, but if you're feeling good today, you know, take advantage of that day. And Sharon, you've got this wonderful... Um, Theory that you like to share with people. I'm not sure where it came from, but it's so your spoon, spoon theory. theory. Yeah, yes, it's,
2: absolutely. It's brilliant. So, why don't you it, share well, that? I, I found this article, and so I can't take credit for the actual um, author of it, but it's, it's an amazing way to explain to your friends and family where you are in life or where you are in treatment and how much energy you have because whether you're in treatment or out of treatment, it may have been compromised to the place where you can't do all the things that you would love to do. So how it goes is everybody, when they uh, wake up in the morning, are given a hundred spoons, okay? And with those 100 spoons, you get up, you get dressed, you have breakfast, you go through your day, you work, you do whatever you do with your 100 spoons. And maybe when you're healthy and and active and whatever, maybe you go to bed with extra spoons. But when you're going through a cancer diagnosis and treatment, or you're getting through the the, um, side effects of those things, maybe it takes you 20 spoons to get out of bed and just get going in the morning and maybe by about noon or two o'clock you're out of spoons. <laughs> I love that. So like each spoon represents a, a, a block
1: of energy, yeah. right? And yes. the ability to do things. So if, it, if it's that hard getting up, like just with the joint pain, getting up and just getting down your stairs, normally when you could run down your stairs, but it might take you three spoonfuls of energy just to get to the stairs and yeah. then another 12 to get down the stairs. So, yep. yeah, yep. That, that's, and and I love that because if somebody would come up at the end of the day or whenever you run out and go, do you want to go on a happy hour? No, thanks, I'm out of spoons. <laughs> you
2: know, and gonna... if you've explained that little tiny, like, little story to them mm-hmm. up front, um, then when... You maybe maybe you've only maybe you can only do one activity a day and you've already done that one activity a day and you're done, you know, yeah. um, and maybe three or four used to be your norm. Well, you know, you're out of spoons and it's OK yeah. to explain it to them that way. And that way, it's not like it's personal. You can't go to with them or whatever, but you you're just going to have to reorganize the way you think about your time and energy um when you're when you're getting over this kind of stuff. Yeah, so it's all part of self-care
1: and and that's absolutely. the key is to really focus on yourself and caring for yourself during that time. You do right. what you can do, but when you're done, you just you stop and it's okay.
2: It's okay. And yeah. you don't have to be productive every single day. Yeah. Um how many times have we have we talked to somebody who overdid it one day and then they're laid out flat for the next two or three yeah because they overdid it right yeah so yep. so you're not really helping yourself by overdoing it you need yep. to really kind of measure that energy level and and all of that um, again part of self-care is also knowing what makes you happy really knowing what fine what what makes you, well, we call it twinkle, right, Becky? Right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Thank that you, passion. Kristen James. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, finding your joy in something every single day. Mm-hmm. So, doing the things that you love and really kind of not doing the things that you're not too wild about because those are going to suck more energy out yeah, of you. Exactly.
1: Sharon, I know you're a, you're a wonderful photographer and I know that you've shared many times even on this show that one of the things you love to do is when things aren't going really well or you're feeling kind of cranky or grumpy or whatever or happy, you go outside, you take a walk with your camera. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's
2: something, again, I think it allows me to get out of my head, right? It gets me out of that space where I'm, you know, either worried or um, confused or whatever, um, depressed. And it allows me to focus, again, on something else that's outside of me that is just so beautiful and wondrous. And it allows me to really... Um, kind of, I don't know, I appreciate the world from a different mm-hmm. perspective. You and know, that again, was one reason I stayed in
1: school. Do you remember that, that first time through I did take time off oh, work?
2: But I I stayed in school for that
1: same reason. I wanted to, you know, be able to do something outside of my head. And people would say, you should be staying home and just taking care of yourself. And it's like, you know what, I know what that means to me. That means I get up in the morning or in the afternoon, whenever I feel like it, and I go downstairs (laughs) and I stay in my pajamas and I don't shower and I turn on some stupid mindless television that goes on and on and on. And then I lay there and I just think about what I'm going through. That for me is not self-care. No, that's not doing something outside, just like your photography, doing something that is bigger than me that mm-hmm. takes concentration outside of all that mm-hmm. is really, really important. So It's
2: absolutely well, important, yeah.
1: yeah and yeah. then
2: talking about talk about the blessings um, mm-hmm. finding the blessings in life because in, even as lousy as your treatment might have been even though you've lost your breasts and you're full of scars and you have all these crazy things that you've had to deal with there are blessings in every part of it financially yeah. I'll just use that one as a quick example very quick. Um, <laughs> um, the the crazy thing about um, cancer, it's very expensive, as we all know. But I've had people even find blessings around the financial part of their cancer. One woman said to me, "I learned to budget. I've never known how to do that, and I put myself on a budget, and it worked for me." Yeah,
1: that's true. It does. Yeah, it really does. We learn to live well on less when you do that. And and that's helpful. So Sharon, real quick before we run out of time, I'm talking about planning for the future. You know, I think it's really important for all cancer survivors to make a list of things they want to do in their life and then to share those things. And, you know, just recently I was at a, I was at an event where I was speaking. I Somebody said, what's on your bucket list? I said, speak in every state. And a guy, a guy came up and says, I can help you with Hawaii. So people want to help you, right? Absolutely. So, so Absolutely. make that bucket list. Share it with people. We are out of time. <laughs> so Sharon, I want to thank you so much for being our guest today. I think we need to do a part two of this. Oh, um, I know. So, so for all of our listeners out there, um, if you really like this radio show, we are asking you please, please, please consider making a donation. If all of our listeners paid $25 donation to this radio show, we could keep it going for the next year. So we love it, and we love you, and we hope that you can, everybody continues to listen. We will be back next week, and until then, remember, there is always hope, and we are here to help you find it.
0: Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio. Please join Sharon Hennepin and Becky Olson again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and Thursdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. There is always hope and we'll help you find it. We'll talk again next time.